Good morning. Thank you for being here for this special day. Mary Lou Dickman was born on a Thursday, January 12, 1950. She lived for Jesus. She lived with joy. She lived laughing. And she lived loving. Mary Lou Birdie took her last breath and entered the presence of her Savior, Jesus Christ, on a Thursday, June 17th. 2021. Mary impacted each of us here and those who are viewing online as well. She served as a mother, a grandmother, a sister, an aunt, a teacher, a mentor, a friend, and the list goes on and on. To Sarah and Jake and Mike and Jacqueline, to Luke and Catherine and Anna, and Marilyn. I'm so sorry for your loss. She loved you so, so much. And you loved her. She walked with you. She cared for you. To Nancy, and Suzanne, Kay, and John, Andrea, Sherry, Eric, and Nancy, Jeff, and Pat, other family members and friends, both here in the chapel and online. Thank you for being part of and honoring Mary's life to share in this special time together. It was apparent that Mary lived her life honoring the Lord and serving everyone around her. And so while we're sad that she's no longer living in the flesh, we can also celebrate because she is fully alive in heaven with the Lord. And Jesus' words from John 11 reassure us of this when he says, The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Mary is more alive today than she's ever been because she's with her Savior and God, Jesus Christ. And for that, we can indeed celebrate today and go on living with joy, laughter, and love. Please pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. As we come before your throne this morning, God, we thank you for Mary. God, we love her. God, we miss her. God, we want to cherish our memories of her. We want to honor her life and support each other as we grieve her passing from life here with us in the flesh to eternal life with you in heaven. God, you formed Mary. You knew her every breath. You walked with her through 71 precious years of life. God, and even now we have confidence that she is fully and completely in your presence. Thank you that you're a God of love who promises to comfort us. And so in these moments now and in the weeks and months ahead, Please bring comfort to everyone here as we remember and share all that Mary was to us. Lord, we ask this service be a celebration of her life and her testimony of faith. Father, let us look to you for strength. And thank you, God, for always being near to us, for comforting us and giving us hope and joy. 
God, speak to us through this service and remind us that you indeed are our joy and strength. In the holy and precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Chains and tears are past.
Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us for for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 16, 8 through 11. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. So good job. 
that can be a little scary. We're super proud of you. Um, so thank you all for coming today uh, to celebrate Mary Lou Birdie. Mary, as many of you know, is my mom. Um, and again, it's, it's amazing to see so many family and friends um, to celebrate mom's amazing life. Uh, during mom's last few weeks of life, she and I had several, several precious conversations. I wanted to share some of the highlights of these conversations to, that I think really capture her wisdom on a lot of different topics. And my hope is you'll also hear um, her humor, which all of you know was one of her hallmarks. Um, so here are some of the questions that I asked mom and her responses to these various topics. So early on I asked mom, what was your best childhood memory? And she responded in saying, moving to Gaylord, going to school there and making new friends. I was in eighth grade when we moved there and I liked that it was a small town and that the kids were really friendly. I love the lake we live by and brothers and sisters of moms. I've heard lots of stories about that lake. Uh, I also love water skiing and snow skiing. There were just more opportunities for kids to get involved in Gaylord. She also shared with me that she was a cheerleader on the ski team and was in school plays, one of which she was the lead in, which I had never known. And so I told mom, that was pretty cool. I never knew you were the lead in a play. And she says, well, Mike, the only cool part was I actually had to kiss a boy in that play. <laughs> so we immediately laughed about that. As many of you know, my mom's love was our dad, Ralph Birdie. They were married for 41 years until my dad passed away in 2012. But make no mistake, the years since my dad passed away, I actually encouraged mom to at least consider dating. And who knows, possibly finding a certain special someone that she could spend time with. After all, my mom, as many of you know, was so darn beautiful. But it was her personality, her sense of humor, and her laughter that would have been a blessing to anyone who would have had the opportunity to spend some time with her. Well, my mom would have none of this. In fact, after multiple times of gently bringing it up, she told me, quote, stop this nonsense about dating. And I am not kidding, Michael. And when she said Michael, I knew she meant business. Well, that was the end of that dialogue. The reality is my mom's intense love for my dad never stopped. In fact, it's been this way since their very first date. So a couple weeks ago, I asked mom to tell me about how she met dad in college. Here's what she shared. We were in Dr. Allen's speech class at Central Michigan University, and the class was speech interpretation. I sat across from dad in these big square tables. He was right in front of me in that class, which was definitely okay with me. Insert laughter, we laughed at that. However, the funny part of it is, is that he asked me to go out with his, one of his football buddies, Tony. I went with Tony on this date, and his family had a restaurant in town that we went to, and it was just okay. Nothing to write home about. So the next day, Ralph asked me, how was your date? And I said, fine. But then he asked if he could go out with me as well. 
So we went out on November 1st, 1969. We went to somebody's house party, but we didn't stay too long because it was just too wild for us. So instead, we just hung out. We walked around campus and just talked. Toward the end of that first date, I told your dad that I was going to marry him. And I wasn't kidding. I remember that dad laughed at me, not in a mean way. I just may have surprised him a bit. But we were married for 41 years, so I guess I got the last laugh. And we laughed about that. So here are some other random questions that I asked mom. Uh, what mistake did you make in your childhood years that you would give advice to our children about and recommend they not make the same mistake? And mom said, saying something that was inappropriate that I should have thought out. I want Catherine, Luke, Anna, and Marilyn to always think before they speak, especially during times where you're upset or frustrated. I also asked mom, what's one thing going on in the world that makes you happy and gives you hope? Mom said, I see more people proclaiming that Christ is Lord. I think people are recognizing that they need someone that they can always depend on in both good times and bad. Right now, I think more and more people aren't afraid to say Christ is, in fact, Lord. I asked mom, if you could be in charge for one day, what changes would you make to our country or in our world? And she said, I would like to see all people show kindness. There's no reason for bigotry or hatred to exist in our world. Next, I asked mom, what was one of your greatest accomplishments? And she says, well, I have two that come to mind. <laughs> Getting a teaching degree and being able to teach, but most importantly, having children and helping them be successful through my guidance and Ralph's too. I asked mom, what are some things that make you happy? Her first response, spending time with my family, spending time with my grandchildren, spending time with my friends, and last but not least, traveling and seeing God's wonderful world. I asked mom, what were a few of your favorite places you traveled to? And she said, Kauai, Alaska, and Spain. About Spain, she said she loved the food, the culture, the kindness, and especially the people in Spain who were so kind. Ironically, I reflected that these three places were ones that mom actually brought our families to at various times. As mom mentioned, she loved spending time with family and grandchildren, and especially her friends too. But if she could do all that and also travel at the same time, it was icing on the cake for mom. And finally, mom and I talked at length about her grandchildren. Mom had a special relationship with each of her grandchildren, Marilyn, Anna, Catherine, and Luke. She had a way of loving each of them in their own special and unique way. Cousins, never, never forget that Demi's love for you did not end in her death. It lives on forever, just as Demi is living on forever in heaven with Jesus. So I asked mom a piece of advice for each of you that she'd like to give you. And here's what she said, Marilyn, Never lose your zest and love for life. Anna, she said, use the skills and talents you have and you will do whatever you want in life. Catherine, Demi said, you have the determination and desire to do what you want to do in life and I know you will do it well. 
And Luke Dimmy said, strive to be the best person you can be in all areas. Never lose your desire to learn new things. I also asked my mom what she liked best about each of her grandchildren. Cousins, these are Dimmy's exact words. Marilyn, everything. <laughs> Just everything about her makes me happy. Her sense of humor, her compassion for other people, and she loves Jesus. Anna, I like her passion in trying new things. She's not afraid to jump in with both feet to try something new. There are many things Anna just wants to try out. And she loves Jesus. Catherine, Catherine is not afraid to take on a new challenge. She's a self-starter and hard worker. She thinks of others' needs before her own. And she loves Jesus. Luke, Demi said this, at times it might seem like he's taking a step back with some things, but this is not true. Underneath, Luke is strong. Luke wants to learn about everything. He's a learner at heart and such a smart young man. And he loves Jesus. I hope you saw a common theme. What Demi liked best about her grandchildren, they all love Jesus. This was extremely important to my mom and provided her with a sense of peace and accomplishment in her final days. Jesus truly is the reason we can be here today with confidence, with peace, with joy, and celebrating my mom's life. In all the conversations I've had with mom since her cancer came back in November, ultimately she wanted to talk about Jesus. See, the truth is, Jesus is my mom's savior, and he is our savior. He was my mom's prince of peace when battling cancer, and right now he is our prince of peace. Jesus was my mom's rock and redeemer, and as we speak, she's now enjoying a new body and a new home that Jesus prepared specifically for her for all of eternity. So in closing, I wanted to share that I recently found my mom's daily creed, and it was actually in my dad's Bible, which she gave me just a couple weeks ago, and this was very precious to her. In this Bible, my mom's daily creed was written on a piece of paper in a very concise but authentic way, and it read, I believe God's promises are true. I believe heaven is real. I believe nothing can separate me from God's love. I believe God has work for me to do. And I believe God will see me through and carry me when I cannot walk. Mom, your creed, your joy, and your beautiful life will carry on. It will carry on in our family, in Sarah's family, in your family and in all of your friends. So thank you again, family and friends, for being here, for pausing and helping us celebrate my mom. We love you all, as did my mom. Thank you.
When I spoke at my dad's memorial service nearly nine years ago, um, I shared this verse that my parents would remind themselves of each morning. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So it's in that spirit of rejoicing and thankfulness that I would like to thank many people on behalf of our family. First, we're grateful to Dr. Brinker and the entire staff at Cancer and Hematology Centers of West Michigan. Dr. Brinker was mom's main man for 13 plus years, and his excellent care allowed us to enjoy mom much longer than anyone anticipated after her initial diagnosis of multiple myeloma. Over the last month, we've been especially grateful for the people at Faith Hospice. Athea and Mara helped us ensure that mom was comfortable and safe and well cared for, well cared for at home. My mom always had the best neighbors. From the old crew at Orchard Ridge, to the Alps campground buddies, to her Brandon Ridge neighbors, mom loved her neighbors, and her neighbors loved her. When mom finally came home on May 19, after 58 awful days in the hospital, her neighbors had a parade as the ambulance drove down her cul-de-sac. The ambulance driver said to us, uh, We've never had a parade before. <laughs> so these are the neighbors that cooked, cleaned, gardened, called, visited, and prayed over the last few months. You are the best neighbors, and I am grateful for each one of you. Mike wanted me also to thank his boss, Jerry Hopkins, who allowed him to step away from work and be family-focused. Also, Mike wanted me to thank all of his teammates at Kennewa Hill Schools for their support through Mom's journey. Thank you also to friends from Calvary Church who prayed, met needs, visited, and loved mom well over the past several months. We're especially grateful for Brian Swanton and how he reminded mom and all of us of the truth of scripture as mom's death became imminent. My mom was friends with everyone, but she had three special friends, Ricky, Kay, and Ruth, her girls, who enjoyed bridge games, travel adventures, and more together. A few months ago, the girls said goodbye to Ricky, and now Kay and Ruth are saying goodbye to Mom. Kay and Ruth, thank you for many years of caring for and loving my mom through all of life's seasons and stages. Thank you are not sufficient words to express the gratitude Mike and I feel toward Mom's family who stepped in to help with her care over the last month. Aunt Suzanne, Aunt Sherry, and Aunt Kay took care of their baby sister right up until the end. Our cousin Robin was such a help and blessing over these last few days, too. Mom's wish was that she could be home with her family through the end of her life here on Earth, and you all made her wish come true. Thank you. My mom was a gem. She was truly lovely inside and out. So many people talk about Mom's beautiful smile and laugh. She loved to laugh. She loved a good joke, especially a joke told by her grandchildren. She had some famous mom-isms, some famous quotations that became part of our family lore. Once when traveling to a Central Michigan football game on a cloudy morning, mom announced, those don't look like rain clouds to me. So she dropped us off at the game while she went shopping and we sat through a November downpour. So those don't look like rain clouds to me. We could say it on a day like today. <laughs> Another famous quotation from my mom was her pronouncement regarding a certain car. 
an early model Ford Festiva that appeared to be a slightly glorified Flintstone car. And I actually met Mark Shirey again this morning. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you sold us that car. Um, mom, my mom, she was always a worried driver, a nervous passenger, and an over-the-top anxious mother of teenage drivers. After that Ford Festiva was purchased, mom said in a desperate attempt to protect her teenage drivers, this car is not designed to travel faster than 55 miles an hour. So let me assure you, that car was, in fact, designed to travel faster than 55 miles an hour. <laughs> so as lovely and funny as my mom was, when I think of her, I think of the word servant. My mom loved to serve others. She served her students and colleagues over many years as an educator. Her greatest joy as a teacher was being a champion for kids that may have been overlooked. Students with special needs, students who struggled, students on the margins. She saw them, she loved them, and she taught them. After her retirement, mom, mom loved to serve at various events at the Elks Campground. She also served in many different capacities at Calvary Church. I tried to remember all the different ways she served, and I'm not sure my list is complete. She was a host for a women's Bible study, a childcare worker at Mops, a shopper for the food pantry, hospitality and cleaning for Two Fish Foundation, a Sunday school teacher, a leader in the widow's ministry, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing a few things. So here are a couple stories about mom's service at Calvary. So when the pandemic began and everything shut down, the leaders in the widow's ministry committed to calling each widow at Calvary. They divided the list of women into groups of about 40 each, and mom had her 40 women to call every couple weeks. Not texting, not emailing, but calling each one of these women, checking in with them, and showing them the love of Jesus. Another story. One year, mom and I taught fourth grade Sunday school together. Of course, there was a need for volunteers in children's ministry. <laughs> and my mom would do anything to help out one of her kids. So she was my teaching assistant. One week I taught from Genesis 24, Isaac and Rebecca's marriage, and so I brought in mom's wedding veil as a prop for my teaching. One little girl was fascinated with that veil. She was just amazed. And afterwards she came up to my mom and to me and she pointed at that veil and she said, that is the oldest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> Mom got a good laugh out of that one, too. <laughs> of course, Mom loved to serve her family most of all. Many of you know that she faithfully and lovingly cared for our dad when he was sick with Alzheimer's disease. And for us, her kids, Mom would do anything. Child care, child care, meals, housing, in my family's case, anything, literally anything for her kids and grandkids. Afterwards, ask Mike about the extent of Mom's anything regarding a story about their dog, Moose. Luke, Catherine, Anna, and Marilyn have many fun memories of vacations, beach days at Demi's Lake House, special meals, trips to Culver's, playing treasures to be seen in Demi's basement. My mom joyfully and selflessly served others because she allowed Jesus' love to flow through her. So how do we, her family, my family, my children, our friends, how do we carry on with hope? Our hope is in the Lord and the truth in his word. A few weeks ago, Mom, Aunt Suzanne, Anna, and I were listening to Calvary service online, and Pastor Tom at Calvary was preaching from Philippians 1, 
where Paul talks about being torn between carrying on with productive work or departing and being with Christ, which is better by far. Mom and I cried throughout that entire sermon, yet her tears were filled with hope. We know that because mom is now absent from her body, she is present with Jesus, and that is better by far.
Thank you, Max, for that. Thank you, Sarah and Mike and the grand babies, as Mary called you sometimes, at least in her word she wrote, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. I open this service um, by stating we're mourning the loss of Mary and we're celebrating her entrance into heaven. It's a, it's a dichotomy or a contrast represented as being opposed or entirely different. There's, there's two sides. On the one hand, this, and on the other hand, that. Classic examples of dichotomy are good and evil, real and imaginary, male and female. Mary's life had a number of dichotomies. Even her name, Mary Lou, is dichotomous. The original Greek language for Mary Lou meant both bitter and beloved. In Mary's Calvary membership testimony from December of 2008, she basically wrote that it was one of the best and yet one of the most challenging years of her life. Here is a section of her written word testimony. After years of praying for grandbabies, God blessed us with Luke on April 7th, 2008. On April 20th of 2008, my husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. God answered our joyous prayer with Luke, but placed a challenge to Ralph with this disease. Mary still writes, I felt I could handle this because I was the strong one. I would take charge. Then God blessed us with Catherine. On October 17th, 2008. And then on October 19th, 2008, I was told I had cancer in my spine. 2008 was wonderful as the Lord blessed and answered Mary's prayer with Luke and Catherine's births. But following both wonderful events, their physical health issues began. On the one hand, there was celebration and certainty with new grandbabies. And on the other hand, there was nervousness and unknowns with health complications. Through the following years, the cancer and the Alzheimer's created a number of dichotomies as they grew in their trust of God's plan while being unsure of the outcomes. But Mary's testimony continues. I truly believe that God showed me that he was in charge, that he was now going to take care of both of us on his terms, not me. As I prayed, I was shown that God's plan, this is Mary's word, as I prayed, I was shown that God's plan must come first in our lives. He gave us these godly grandbabies. He gave us these challenges to show us that we need to be right in his plan. Mary had chemo and the cancer subsided for a bit for about a year until Christmas Eve, 2009, when it returned. And then in 2010, after her stem, trail, stem cell transplant, she was on a good path and celebrated. She loved and cared for Ralph every day as he continued his journey and the fight through his Alzheimer's. And in July of 2012, after a four-year fight, the Lord brought Ralph into glory. And another new journey began for Mary. She served and was blessed with so many friendships, as both Sarah and Mike explained, so many of those things happening, 
her involvement at Calvary and other, other places. She loves spending time with her grandchildren. And then in November, another form of cancer quickly arose, quickly came through her body, and she began to decline. One of the things that Mary wanted to do before entering heaven was to be baptized. So two weeks ago, right around this moment, I was given a call that Mary wanted to be baptized. And so a few hours later, I got to go over to her condo and walk in and see family surrounding her, loving her, and I was able to bless her by baptizing her. It was a beautiful moment. There was so much more excitement because it was not just Mary who was being baptized, but also Marilyn, her granddaughter. And the joy that she had of experiencing that was a blessing. A few days after that baptism, the hospice nurse thought Mary was very close to death. So they asked the family to let Mary quietly rest and peacefully pass. And they sat next to her bedside, taking shifts through the day and through the night. Long nights, I know. And as Mike and Sarah spoke to me last week about what that last week was like with Mary, they found out what Mary actually needed was a little noise. When the family began telling stories and sharing and laughing hard, Mary's breath began to whimper and she passed away. That's the other dichotomy. On the one hand, she needed quiet rest, and on the other hand, she needed laughter. There's a certain type of scripture that also exemplifies dichotomy. It's called lament. One author defines it this way. Lament is a means of prayer that expresses pain to God while affirming trust in his sovereignty. Laments give structure and a means for voicing grief in such a way that still recognizes hope in God and moves one from hurt to joy. It includes prayers of desperation, hope, and praise to guide believers in worship. And lament is found throughout Scripture, particularly in the Psalms. Earlier, Mary's grandbabies read Scripture, and Luke ended with a passage Mary wanted me to focus on as the primal focal point for this service. It's part of a lament found in Lamentations 3, and this is what it says. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. This passage is the affirming and trusting response to God's sovereignty. It's on the other hand portion of the dichotomy. The first 20 verses of this passage point to the on the one hand, full of pain, grief, and desperation. Here are some highlights, if we can call them that. I have seen affliction. I walk in darkness. My skin and my flesh grow old. I'm surrounded with bitterness and hardship. I dwell in darkness like those long dead. I'm walled in and I cannot escape. I'm weighed down with chains. I'm filled with bitter herbs. My soul 
is downcast within me. We could look at the difficulty of caring for her husband struggling with Alzheimer's for those years. We could look at Mary's cancer, two cancer rounds of chemo, trouble, difficulties, doctors. We could look at their deaths, ultimately. And we could have this kind of focus, this kind of idea of the affliction and the darkness and the bitterness and the downcast soul. Our sorrows are appropriate. Our tears fit. Our unanswered questions are legit. But praise the Lord, the scripture does not stop there. And it wasn't the pain or the challenges of this passage that Mary chose for us, although I think the disparity and the dichotomy works well. After all that bleak lament, verse 21 starts with this. Yet. Yet. This I call to mind. Basically, I remember the challenges of the past. I remember these things, these difficulties, the pain, the suffering, the challenges. And certainly they're part of my story. This I call to mind, the scripture says. And then it says this. And therefore, I have hope. So here starts the, on the other hand of this passage and Mary's passage. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. This passage reminds us that even through all of the challenges, the Lord encouraged, lifted, filled, Mary with love and compassion. Every day, every new morning, every morning was new. She truly chose and fought for joy. Because God's great love lived in her, she was able to have a special lens in which she saw the world and her circumstances. It was laughter and joy of her family that literally walked her gently into heaven. It was laughter and joy that Mike and Sarah said were her hallmark. Her motto was, every day you have to have a good laugh. The end of her 2008 testimony, this is what it says. My challenge is to learn surrender, grace, and a daily learning of his word. I know he will continue to reveal his plan and his timeline. Oh, she didn't know what that timeline was going to look like in the few, in the few years to follow. But she ends with this, Proverbs 6, 9 states, We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Throughout her life, but particularly since challenging and wonderful 2008 testimony, Mary sought to learn surrender, grace, and God's word. The Lord's timeline and plan were revealed in continued health issues, in grandbabies, in serving, caring, praying for each of you, for so many people here. She could do so only because of God's never-ending love and grace. She was not consumed through the challenges, but waited on the Lord's leading and being strengthened by the Lord's love and compassion to glorify him each day of her life. The way Mary carried herself reminded me of a passage that was spoken of. I think Catherine, I don't remember. <laughs> For what we preach, 1 Corinthians 4. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as the Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We're hard-pressed 
on every side, on the one hand, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, which far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mary lived and carried around the powerful testimony of Jesus' death and resurrection through how she lived her life, didn't let her circumstances determine her future walk. She kept her eyes on the eternal. Her life was full of humble and faithful service. Her reward is now heaven. She is well. She is healed fully. She no longer needs cancer treatments. She no longer needs medications or doctor's visits or hospice care. She is completely and fully healed and well because she's in the presence of Jesus. So what about us? Here we are. We're going to get sick. We may need medication. We may need doctor's visits. We may need chemo. But more than those things, we need a savior so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in us like it was in Mary. Jesus is real. He wants our hearts to turn toward him. He wants us to fully trust in him especially when we have hardships and troubles. And on the one hand, times of being anxious, worried, or afraid. Even if we face, even when we face sickness, despair, or we're hard-pressed, Jesus ensures us in John 14 with these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take it to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. To which his friend Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus simply said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only in a relationship with Jesus that we can have full assurance of the hope of heaven. And like Mary, we can live a life full of laughter, joy, and faithfulness with our family and friends because we live our lives for Christ. So, here's Mary's challenge for each one of us here, for each one watching online. Listen to these words, and they come from Mary because Mike read them. It was her creed. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to search your heart. Where are you with these questions? And some it might be uncomfortable, and some it might be, I'm comfortable with this. And that's good. Mary would ask you the same things. Here they are. Do you believe God's promises are true? Do you believe heaven is real? Do you believe nothing can separate you from God's love? Do you believe God has work for you to do? 
Do you believe God will see you through and carry you when you cannot walk? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you walk in the ways of surrender, grace, and daily learning of God's word, you too will say, the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. This is how Mary Birdie lived her life. And her testimony of faith is challenging for us to do the same. She's walking with God. Sam sang that for us. Max sang that that for us. She's walking with God in eternity because she put her hope and faith in Christ. Her life is a reminder that we, too, will never walk alone when we walk with Jesus, who loves us and carries us when we cannot walk. Amen? We're going to stand together, and we're going to sing a great hymn, praising God and declaring how great God is. And I think you have song sheets in your hands. If you don't, find a neighbor that does.
I'm going to close us in prayer in just a minute. Um, but I just want to thank you for being here, being present in this place, for being present online, uh, for celebrating, for singing, for declaring uh, Jesus is Lord, and he is good. And we can celebrate um, the life and the testimony of Mary and how she lived and how she laughed and how she loved. So I challenge you all with that. You've been challenged. And I encourage you to continue to tell stories. I think we all want to talk to Mike about moose. Um, and you can, because we're going to have a reception down the hallway here after the service. And so after I pray, I'm going to lead the family out. We're going to head right down to 208. It's our student area down here. And you're all welcome to come. Please, we have, uh, the family has provided lunch. Uh, so if you're here in the building, sorry for those online. Um, <laughs> probably won't work out. Um, but uh, please join us if you have a few moments and uh, share stories and share memories. And don't forget to laugh. Laugh a lot. Uh, laugh. Keep laughing. Keep loving. Keep joy in your hearts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close. Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, the one who walks with us and gives us true joy and hope, the one who gives never-ending encouragement and perfect peace. God, it's only through Jesus we can gain access to the Father. We celebrate today and know that Mary truly has full access to you because in 1971 she accepted this free gift that you graciously offer to each one of us. Father, I pray that if there is anyone here today who does not have a personal relationship with you but desires your free gift, all they need to do is declare Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. That's all you ask of us for eternal life. Lord, I pray for comfort, joy, and peace as we reflect on Mary Birdie's testimony of faith. Although the impact she leaves will be greatly missed, we're blessed by all the memories, the way she inspired us to live our lives for Christ. Even in the dichotomy of suffering, she laughed and loved and lived. And we thank you, Lord, for the life you've given each one of us to live. And as we go from this place, remind us, God, that you're present with us. Lord, that you never leave us, but you encourage us to live our lives fully trusting in you. God, guide us as we go forward. Lead us into deeper relationship with you. And we ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for being here.